Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills and Mafia with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host Charlie. Charlie, how are you? Long time no see again. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, do we officially class yeah. this as the dog days of uh, of NFL Absolutely. summer? It feels like yep. it, right? I mean, there's sort of no there's no news or anything now. The, <laughs> now the fixtures are out. Uh, you know, we've got the schedule. Uh, we know what's going to be happening, yep. and um, the draft has been and gone. And um, yeah, it's kind of you know we've had first set of OTAs. It's kind of it now, isn't it? It's going to have into that that period where there's really not much news. Pretty much like it's got to the point that, you know, you're going to hear at NFL media, they're just going to be talking highly about all of the teams because there's nothing else to talk about. You know, they're trying to just like create that positivity around all 32 teams, which I don't think is necessarily there for 32 teams. But uh, yeah, definitely in the dog days, if it wasn't for the DeAndre Hopkins mm. news, uh, it would be really yeah, just nothing going on. And that's whatsoever. not even really news yet, is it? That's just, you know, that's just no. rumour still. Um, as I hope. Yep. Um, um, I mean, I think you and I have spoken extensively before. We'd, we'd love to have Hopkins on this team. I think he's a, yeah. he would be a missing piece. I think he would take their offense to another level. But I find it hard to get my hopes up about it just because I think that uh, it's a difficult deal to do. You know, it's, it would need, require two or three restructures and um, we still need to be top of his list, um, which you know, it seems like we're near the top of it if we're not at the top itself. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just hard, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Um, I'm just, yeah. If it happens, it happens and great. And if, But I think more likely it's, it's, it's to not happen. It will go somewhere else. In some ways, I'm kind of glad, you know, we're not the only team. Like, clearly, you know, the majority of the off-season's done. You know, free agency in the draft's been passed. So, you look at, you, you know, we've got the third least cap space in the league. But you look at uh, the Chiefs, and they've got slightly less than us. They're the second least amount of cap. So, it's not just us that would, you know, have to do some uh, cap gymnastics to make it work. It's our competitors too. And whoever has got the cap, or in the NFC, it seems. I know the Panthers mm. and Bears and Lions, I think they're amongst the highest um, cap space teams so yeah it's kind of nice to know that whoever is going to sign him will have to do uh, some kind of gymnastics as well as uh, us if we have to do it but no absolutely I, I want it to happen as well if, if there's a way of doing it I just don't want it to drag you know I don't want there to be that possibility for the next month two months um, that this is going to happen and then he just ends up at the lines or something that doesn't affect any of us so there is football being played at the moment. The USFL watched a little bit of the uh, Houston Gamblers yeah. and Memphis Showboats last night, which you, they said they really do sound like B-list uh, team names, unfortunately. But actually, it was quite good fun. I mean, the quality is obviously down on what we would see in the NFL. But um, yeah. in terms of just entertainment value, um, it felt equivalent to, to college football. And um, yeah, it sort of passed a bit of time last night. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, hard to find anything at this time of year. So the fact that there's these kind of expansion leagues popping up here and there, it's uh, really positive because after the draft, like there's nothing really is there for us. So no, uh, you indeed. have to wait till pre-season. So no, it's good. Well, I am getting to the point where I'm thinking, as I do most uh, off-seasons, I'm going to start watching games from last year back because um, I get to the point where yeah. I'm just like I just miss football and I usually have forgotten most of the details of the games that have happened yeah. the previous year and um, so yeah I'm thinking I'm warming up to that idea I might start that this evening and, and, and just go through the regular season and uh, and watch that, that, that lovely game against the Rams again uh, before we knew the Rams were crap <laughs> so yeah. it was uh, a uh, halcyon days wasn't it yeah I suppose none, none of that has anything to do with the fact that you know most of these games you're watching at the fits and uh, you know you're surrounded with friends and alcohol and that kind of thing so clearly it has nothing to do with that you just want to go and you know relive it and uh, you know you remember every single detail if it wasn't for that surely <laughs> yeah yeah every single detail um, there's a few games that maybe are a little <laughs> bit uh, fuzzier than uh, than I would I would like but this is the thing it's like you know yeah. there are certain games you know that's uh, you just kind of pass you by really um there are games yeah. that stick in my mind and and there are games that sort of seem to i just kind of just pass me by i mean but that vikings game we obviously lost but that was an incredible game uh, i wouldn't mind watching that yeah. again uh, now <laughs> straight afterwards i would never would have wanted to watch it again but there's a lot of good bills football in that game and uh I'm quite fancy seeing it i quite fancy seeing the rams game and seeing von miller tear it up again against his old team yeah. so yeah like i know the, the longer the season goes on the the, the tougher I find it to remember really what happened in the uh, in the earlier part. Maybe it's just my age, but um, yeah, it'd be good right. to go back. And I think it gives me. I'm watching without as much emotion, and I can appreciate the good stuff and watch it a bit more analytically than when uh, you're in the middle of it with a couple of beers and you're uh, you're all re- rooting for the right result. 
I don't know about you though. I can't really stomach watching the losses. You know, some of those like the Vikings games you, you mentioned there, and obviously like the Bengals. You're surely not going to go back and watch that Bengals. You know, you were there, I, I, weren't you? So have, are you really going to relive that? I for have. Wa- I have rewatched some of it, but it was oh. uh, yeah. Um, How far but, did you get into that? Because it was a pretty half. poor game, yeah, wasn't it? Maybe diabolical. Yeah. The first yeah. quarter felt like it wasn't. Yeah, no, it was bad, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't think, think there uh, was any moments that were good in that. Game. No, we just scored. We just scored a touchdown. I remember that. Um, was that the but, first drive? I don't think it was. Was it? No, no, I don't think so. It happened um, quite early. Still, there was a point where yeah, yeah, it was a relatively early. It was a point when it looked like well, maybe there's something in this team still, but no, yeah. it, was, it was awful. Um, it was more the experience of being in Buffalo and. Uh, uh, you know, being around yeah. those mafia that made that a fun, fun trip. But no, I mean, I would, no, I wouldn't watch that one again. I also wouldn't watch the Jets game where we where we lost. Um, yeah. That was a that was a dire game. Watched that in Manchester with with some of our mutual friends at the Manchester Bills backers bar. And but I would watch the Vikings game back because I think there was a lot of good Bills football in there. Um, that that was another game where you could have gone either way. Um, mm. I think we were just unlucky to play Jefferson in some some rude form, really. I was going to say, yeah, like when you compare the Jets' loss versus the Vikings' loss, I definitely agree because the Jets' game we just threw that away, didn't we? You know, the fact that yeah. especially at last drive when they just kept running it down our throats and it was clear and obvious what they were doing, they weren't putting the ball in Zach Wilson's hands. Yet we couldn't stop it, could we? And no. uh, yeah. That that was more of our doing, as you said, for Vikings game was was a lot of our doing as well. But Justin Jefferson certainly helped. Uh, you know, he, that was just a phenomenal game. I don't think we'll see a wide receiver performance against Bills oh, that good for a little while. I suspect. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Well, you know, I think our uh, cornerback room has improved a little bit. Um, which I'm hoping so for this this season. I, I think yeah. that um, you know, having a, a, a fit uh, Trey White and um, obviously Kyrie Elam with a with a season under his belt, we should should be better in that position. Yeah. But um, it's funny. I, I the, the in division losses hurt the most for me. You know, losing against the Jets mm. or Miami, those are the ones that really kill me. The Dolphins game. Yeah, oh. exactly. Like the Vikings, who we play once occasionally, doesn't. I don't have yeah. any real animosity towards the vikings um and so yeah but i mean there's games that i was at where honestly when i'm at a game i tend to remember how it finishes but i don't necessarily remember the, some of the details and so yeah um i tend to you know not watch the highlights i'm sort of for the emotion of the game so there's just you know three games that i would love to watch again uh, thankfully all wins against the browns the the lions and the and the, and the ravens so yeah i'm just i'm kind of keen to get get back into it and it'll kill a few weeks until we get to training camp won't it yeah definitely all right so what are we gonna when are we talk about today so we're going to go through each of the position groups talk about what's changed um what changed in terms of personnel and also you know scheme coaching that kind of thing and then whilst we're doing that we're going to earmark kind of two players each i think there might be a little bit of overlap for this but two players each that we see as x, x factors uh for the team so that means basically you know which of these players has the most potential and can really elevate this unit like no other player can. So we'll, that, that will kind of make more sense when we go into this based on the players we identify. Um, you know, uh, what could turn this unit from, you know, I know our defence was like a top two unit based on yardage and all those metrics, but what can really turn it into the top defence? Um, what could elevate this offence to becoming, you know, even better offence than what we've seen? So that's what we're going to do today. So, uh, yeah, we'll go for each position group. So let's start with quarterback then, which I think we can uh, skip quite quickly in terms of personnel. Obviously, uh, in terms of backup, Carl uh, Allen's come in. Um, and I think Matt Barkley's still hanging around. He is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he is. And some interestingly, way we can, we can, um, I think we can have him on the 53, but without, well, it's something, something weird. We can, we have him out yeah, on game day rules, without him being a, uh, mm-hmm. without him being part of the 53 or something. Yeah. Is that, is that, is yeah. that how it works? I, I saw that that was a rule change that come in. Yeah, something like that. I didn't give it a load of detail. To yeah, no, I didn't either. Like you. <laughs> yeah. I, at this time of the year, I'm not really following uh, you know, not, all these little announcements. make any impact unless we have two injured quarterbacks. Let's put it that way. So Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I can so, avoid to but, skip that one by. But in terms of the changes, um, in terms of the quarterback room, like... Josh Allen, I don't feel like he had many designed runs last year. I felt like they were trying to protect mm. him. But based on the players that we signed, um, I can't see 
us having barely any design runs. Maybe later on in the season when it really comes to that, you know, week by week, um, like um, almost knockout competition. Uh, it feels like even just to get, you know, to win the division, let alone, you know, the right standing, number one seed, etc. cetera. Um, the big I games, see, you know, KC. Yeah, maybe at that point. The ones yeah, where games are tight, up. yeah. But I think the threat uh, of Josh Allen running is still important. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's why we're... I think it'll be just scramble runs, won't it? Like, he's still going to have that license to look down, and if it's all man coverage and, you know, there's a big gap in the middle of the field, I feel like he's still got the, the, the license and the freedom to make those runs if he sees fit. So I wouldn't well, rule out any running, but it's going to no. be the right running, isn't it? And I think that when we look at the the changes that are the running back at uh, the offensive line and in the uh, the tight end room, I think that that's going to tell a story in terms of what we are expecting from scheme change perspective. And I think that that's also going to, also going to affect when and and to what extent uh, Josh Allen runs. Uh, so yeah, we'll come back to that I think as we as we get into these other groups. Yeah, definitely. Um, shall we move on? Um, running back. Yeah. So this is an interesting one, isn't it? So. I actually think this is the deepest running back room we've had since under McDermott and probably the happiest I've yeah. been the running back room since Shady was, was, was around. Um, I mean, the, the big headline is that the Singletary has gone. Damien Harris has come in. And so we've got sort of two complementary backs in James Cook and Damien Harris. One who's more of an outside um, uh, zone guy, who's sort of quicker, can attack the edge in James Cook. Another one who's Damien Harris is more of a downhill thumper and a proven entity in terms of running between the tackles. And, and I think maybe taking on some of that load that Charles Shallon may have taken in short yardage situation. And then they've, they've complemented that with Latavius Murray, which I think is a really sneaky, good pickup. Um, I think Damien Harris has occasionally had some, some injury challenges and so I imagine Latavius Murray will be the backup to Damien Harris um, we still have Naeem Hines how we're going to use him maybe just as a specialty teams guy but he looks like uh, fairly low on the depth chart in terms of that running back room but I think this is a really nice looking room now and and actually James Cook is one of my, my X factors I, I think towards the second half of last season he was you know, really um, hitting it in terms of average yards per run um, he was right up there with with some of the best. And I think when you look at the changes that have happened on the offensive line, the fact that we're going to play probably more two tight end sets, that tells me that this this team is probably going to run a little bit more and they're going to have guys out in space. And I think that's going to really work well for James Cook. So I'm, I'm getting excited to see what, what he can do in another year under his belt. How do you feel about this? Yeah. Room? Yeah. And I think the fact that, you know, I know this is, you know, the run game isn't just a running back since the O-line and the fact that they've improved that interior of the O-line, you know, is just naturally going to help those running backs anyway. But the quality of the running backs has improved. And also, I think they will, I don't know, there's still going to be some kind of wide zone principles um, in terms of their rushing attack, but they're going to be a bit more, you know, power gap based um, in terms of the blocking. So I think that that makes things a little bit more, you know, easier for the running backs. They know that, you know, they're going to have to run into that gap. You know, they're going to create that gap. So run there rather than trying to kind of guess and, you know, use their vision. You know, it should be a bit simpler is what I'm trying to say for the running backs to, you know, be a bit more productive. You know, James Cook, you look at the his size and everything. He's not an in-between tackles kind no. of guy, but you would have to be to, you know, even if uh, offensive line runs like gap, scheme uh, you don't have to be like a bruiser to, to run that scheme you know you're still going to be able to find holes and you know uh, take some advantage of those lanes so yeah I think that uh, as you said the running back room you know Latavius Murray um, you know is a sneaky pickup like, I quite liked it I know he's old I know he's like 32 33 years old at this point but he has always been productive wherever he's gone you mm. know he's been at a places now and you look even at you know the Broncos last season I had him at, in fantasy for the back in I was desperate at running back at that point and he seemed to be um, getting some production uh, with uh, Javonte Williams being out so the fact that he came in and you know, he scored quite a few touchdowns and you know in a really poor Broncos offense last season he was one of their better players so um and Damien Harris, I've, you know, we, we talked about it when we signed him, that he's one of those players that uh, you never enjoyed facing in the division. Yeah, like. he's sneaky good, isn't he? He's sort of not maybe yeah. a sexy name, but actually if you look at his stats and you look at his production, he is, he's sneaky good. And uh, uh, go Yeah, ahead. and for one million less than Devin Singletary, I think that's... Uh, same value. You know, I don't yeah. think it's a massive upgrade, but I think it's a slight upgrade and well, you're getting the... 
cap yeah, saving it, as well. As an, on an individual basis, maybe not, but as as a complementary pair now having Cook yeah. and Damien Harris, I think it is an upgrade. I think it gives us the opportunity to play two running back sets and always have that threat of maybe um, having James Cook, um, you know, go out to wide receiver or catch from the backfield. It's going to make it much more difficult for defenses to work out what we're going to do. So I think suddenly you've got an option where you've got to account for James Cook's outside runs. You've got to account for Damon Harris's runs to the, between the tackles. And you've got to account for Josh Allen, um, who's always that threat as well. So I think that, you know, we may see some two run, running back sets. We may see some some 22 personnel with two tight ends as well to complement, to really yeah. put defenses under uh, under some stress. I just think that it's a much more, there's just a lot more options for Ken Dorsey to play with now. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how he, how, how what he cooks up in terms of a playbook. Um, I think we'll see some fairly significant changes to, this, to, that, to that scheme. Yeah, no, sure. Um, how do you see Naheem Hindsight fitting in? Like, obviously, um, you know, the fact they brought in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Um, he's not that type of back. He's not that downhill kind of guy. Uh, he's a bit more of that receiving back. Um, do you feel like his role's a little bit redundant? Like, I don't know if you saw the rule change about, um, you know, you're mm-hmm. able to touch it back anywhere turns, on the yeah. field. So, you know, he, he, he was valuable, especially last year, obviously, as a returner when we traded for him. But I feel like with that change, it kind of makes his value um even further reduced so i do question whether he'll be on the team i know you know he took uh, a cut so i don't think it'll be that advantageous to cut him um yeah he might just be kind of that you know fourth third fourth they might have to keep four running backs you know yeah and, i mean uh, he... that isn't a bad thing necessarily is it but uh, i just can't see him having a massive role now no it's very difficult to see where he fits in i mean maybe he's james cook's backup um but i i agree with you i think it's that that rule change is really affected how we might use him um obviously he's still there for punt returns but mm. i mean we also have other options now for return i think uh, deontay hardy can return pretty well as well so yeah. I, yeah i'm not completely out on the idea that you know brandon bean likes to do those sort of trade away guys he was going to cut anyway type type uh, yeah. moves uh, mm. I, maybe we'll do a show as we get deeper into some of the of who the candidates might be for that and i, I see naeem hines as sort of an outside chance that that can happen if if deontay hardy looks like a good a good return a punt and kick returner then then it potentially puts Naeem Hines in a position where, you know, we trade him away for a, for a six round pick or something like that. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. But I, I agree with you. I think his, his role is much less heavy than uh, perhaps we would have expected uh, going into this off season. Yeah. And before we go on to the position groups, one of the X factors, I think we both identified on this offense, at least is uh, James Cook. So when we drafted him, we all kind of expected to see him, you know, get a lot of production as a receiving back. You know, that was, you know, his strengths in college uh, at Georgia. Um, but he wasn't ever utilised in 2022 in that way. So across the 16 games that he played in last season, he only had uh, 32 targets and 21 catches in total. So, you know, that's barely one catch a game that he was having from the backfield. Um, but... Obviously, he was probably better than we all expected Mm. when he rushed, um, you know, and the fact that you look at him and, you know, he was able to bounce back as well from the fumble, his first career touch versus the Rams. Um, And McDermott had put faith in him the following week in week two against the Titans. He became Uh, the primary back towards the end of the season, didn't he? Yeah, Yeah. he did. Yeah, he featured featured even more. And, uh, you know, the Browns game. Uh, Brown's deep run defense was horrid last season anyway, but he looked really good against him. Not only them, but the, the Patriots, both games, he had a lot of uh, production and the Bears as well. Yeah, um, nearly 100 yards against the Bears, right? You know, yeah. yeah, that workload increased uh, by the end of the season. So you think of it and you look at, you know, his obvious athleticism compared to the other backs that we've got. And that was the appeal of drafting him as well. Um, plus he's kind of exceeded expectations as a rookie um, rushing the football. You know, that kind of is an obvious breakout candidate in my mind and a real X factor. We've not had that, you know, um, I don't think anyway he's going to be a bell cow back, but you know, that, that premium Russia since uh, Shady left. No. Uh, and I'm not saying he's going to get there necessarily, but you know, if he was, to you know go up a level two levels you know used more in the receiving game uh you know he could you know really elevate this offense you know he could have a you know how i've explained it there you kind of you're looking at it and think you know he's got that jamar gibbs kind of skill set that's what the lions Mm. have have kind of you know traded down and then traded um drafted him at 
pick 12 in the draft. He's kind of got that skill set and they drafted him at 12th uh, overall. So you just think that, I just feel like there's a real path there for him to, you know, improve, develop, really become that running back one. And we've not had that kind of running back, you know, in the last like four seasons, really. No, I mean- so I'm excited about that prospect. He shared the uh, the workload obviously pretty heavily with Devin Singletary last year, but he, you know he he, uh, he he carried for 500 or so yards, which is not bad for a first year uh, running back, and that was an average of, of 5.7 yards per carry yeah. in the regular season. So I think that's mm-hmm. really incredible performance. And I think if you look at then the changes that we've made on the um, the offensive line and at tight end, we'll be playing more tight to two tight end sets. I think, and I think probably we've got better, slightly better um, blockers in the wide receiver uh, room as well. I think that it all adds up to the fact that we're going to see a step up from James Cook. Um, I'm sure of that. Yeah. All right. Definitely. So we move on to the next uh, room then. And I think maybe wide receiver makes sense for us to go there. Um, what do you want to, what do you, how do you see that shaping up? Yes, I think that, well, unless we obviously sign a D-hop or, you know, I don't know, trade for someone big, I really can't see it happening at this stage. All I can see is, you know, D-hop signing potentially if they can make it work, as we talked about. But, you know, I think this room's pretty set out. I think it's quite clear in terms of, you know, the perimeter, uh, X wide receivers, you know, you've got Stefan Diggs as the X, um, you've probably got, you know, Gable Davis as the Z, and then um, in the slot, that's where the competition is, and I think mm. that, you know, the fact, I know we're not talking about tight ends necessarily, but we selected Dalton Kincaid, and, you know, he did have a lot of his, um, you know, he was lined up a lot of his uh, snaps in college at the slot. I can envisage him um, being that main slot guy, so then it's a real competition in my mind, um, for you know some of the slot reps and then just the depth and who who's able to make it like I think uh, Justin Shorter I think he's got a real good chance of making this uh, 53 at least who do you you have as a six I mean I think we're expecting six to be uh, yeah so So who do you have if we if we go through, I think he would be the sixth. So I think Jonte Harty, Trent Sherfield, I think they'd be like four and five. Um, and then Shakir, Davis and Diggs would be the six that I'd look at at wide receiver. Yeah. Would you be any different? No, I think that's the six. And I think that it's really I mean, almost... Clear and obvious, yeah, really, yeah, I think so. I think it is. I think it's really a seven because, of course, we're expecting um, Dalton Kincaid to, to take a... You know, he'll almost be playing more like a wide receiver big wide receiver yeah. uh, for good chunks of the uh, of the season. So, I mean, uh, we'll come on to tight ends in a little bit, but I think it's actually a really nice looking room. And what I like about it is I think we've upgraded McKenzie um, with Deontay Hardy. And I think we've upgraded Jake Kumaro with Trent Sherfield. We've already heard Josh Allen talking quite positively about Trent Sherfield, his work rate. And um, obviously he's a, you know, what was he? Wide receiver three for the Dolphins or something last year. Um, so yeah. I think, um, you know, he's a, he's a good special teams guy, a good blocker. You know, he, um, he had 30 receptions last year on uh, 51 targets. So I think I'm quite excited about this wide receiver room. I think it is an upgraded room from last year, even though the top 10 talent has not changed. I think you think about Kincaid and the impact he's going to have. And then they brought up the the, the, the next sort of the fourth, fifth and sixth positions. I think the quality of those has all risen. And I think uh, that's going to be useful right right through the season. So I'm expecting them to use a, a pretty, you know, a full spectrum of these wide receivers. I think everyone's going to going to get a good, uh, good crack of the whip. And I think especially at the start of the season, I think we're going to see more quick game whilst we're, especially if, um, you know, Ryan Bates loses that battle in training camp and a Osiris Torrance or David Edwards or um, whoever that might be is the right guard. Like if you've got two new guards, I think that um, ultimately longer term, you know, back end of a season that is going to be an improved unit but at the start it might not be it might be kind of a similar that we saw end of last season so I just feel like uh, Dotton Kincaid you know he's someone that can you know he's got a good release package he can get open quickly Deontay Harty um, that's kind of one of his um, strengths as well being a smaller guy but the fact that he's pretty shifty uh, he can win at the line of scrimmage pretty quickly I just feel like you know they're going to use a little bit more quick game um, you know they're going to use um, the running game to kind of create, you know, uh, an improved running game as well to do a bit more play action as well, which will help that quick game. So I can just see, yeah, they're going to try and, especially at the start of the season, when there's a little bit of flux, a little bit of change in that O-line, 
they're going to um, lean on the Dot and Kincaid's and John Jay Harties, whoever's in the slot really to, you know, uh, whoever that may be, they're going to get a high volume of work, I think. So, yeah, um, yeah that's all quite exciting. Cool. So on to tight end then. And obviously this one's a bit simpler. Um, and yeah. I think it's a fairly big upgrade, we have to say. <laughs> I, I'm really excited yeah. about Dalton Kincaid. I mean, there's always that caution about tight ends and how long it takes them to really acclimatize to the uh, to the NFL. But, you know, we, all the mood music is they're going to be using him really as a big slot. And I suspect what they'll do is they'll, t- they'll dial back some of the development in terms of inline blocking and focus on him as a wide receiver. And then they'll start to add more of the blocking scheme stuff in over time. And I'm sure he'll be blocking out in space, but I think that uh, they'll focus on using him as a wide receiver um, more so than a, than a, than a regular um a regular tight end, that, the inline guy that Dawson Knox would be. And so I think they'll use, you know, two tight end sets quite a bit. Uh, I think if you, picked him as your first round pick you expect him to play uh, a lot of snaps um you know maybe we'll phase him in over the first few games but I'm, I'm expecting him to have a big impact this year and i'm excited about what he can do i think you know we talked about the the changes in the running back room and uh, we'll get on to offensive line i think that there's there's just a chance for us to play in ways that are going to make it very, very difficult for defenses to uh, to scheme up against the Bills. Um, just different ways to, to attack you. Um, I think that although we both agree that Josh Allen's going to run a little bit less, I think that the, the threat of running is going to make it complicated for defenses especially when you've got two tight ends on the on the on the field and maybe also if you've got two running backs on the field you just there's just so many different options the bills can play with and I, I think you know this is a big season for, for, for Ken Dorsey to show that now he's got all these uh, uh, these options you know more options than Brian Dable ever had I think <laughs> yeah. I never thought we, we were seriously ever running 22 personnel in with under Brian Dable or or uh, two tight end sets at all and I'm you know often didn't really have we might have had a, a fullback maybe come in but we didn't really have two viable running backs um that often so yeah it's going to be uh, really fascinating to see it but i think that this tight end room is going to get um it's going to become you don't want to sort of be too uh, i don't know uh, too overexcited about it but I, this is this is difficult to defend against. Most orga- most organizations do not have two tight ends of the quality of Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. Um, and therefore, most defenses would struggle to, uh, to go up against it. Yeah. What do you expect from Dalton Kincaid, like, first season? Like, what would you expect um, when we get to the end of the season, like, his stat line to be? Like, how much usage do you think he will get? Like, do you think Knox and uh, Dalton Kincaid's production will be pretty similar in terms of the numbers, targets, uh, yards, etc.? Yeah, I do. I do. I think he'll be very similar indeed. And I think that um, it'll increase over the, I mean, just so people know, Dawson Knox had 48 receptions off 65 targets for 517 yards last uh, last season, an average of 10.8 um, yards per per reception, six touchdowns. I suspect that Dawson Knox will be the more of the feature guy in the early part of the season, but over time we'll see Dalton Kincaid played more in, a, you know, uh, in a more significant role. But I think that that feels about right for Kincaid as well, um, mm-hmm. and I suspect that, you know, over the over time maybe Dawson Knox. So this is what's really interesting to me is I think as a red zone team we are now pretty scary, because if you add you know, two absolutely yeah. viable pass catching tight ends. And you've got obviously Stefan Diggs and you've got a cr- pretty big wide receiver room. If you think about um, Gabriel Davis and Trent Sherfield, then there's Justin Shorter, who you know, we haven't spent an awful lot of time. These are, these are all big dudes. And I think that it's going to make us a really interesting red zone uh, threat. And there was times last year, obviously we had the Josh Allen interceptions and stuff where perhaps things in the red zone were just not quite as what they should be. And I just think Josh is going to have an awful lot of options and it's going to be a real mismatch in terms of height and size um, for defenses to go up against. Yeah, it never felt like, you know, Gable Davis definitely has his role in this team. And I know we cycle back slightly to wide receivers, but as a red zone player, he wasn't ever uh, a massive threat no. as, a, as a red zone player. You know, he's that deep threat. You know, he's able to score the long touchdowns from afar, but, you know, he's, he's not got the that size guy. The separation, has he? Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. So with Dawson Knox, it isn't just his catch radius and his size. Um, that's a weapon in the red zone it's you know his control as well he seems to know exactly where he is in the red zone and uh or end zone sorry and uh you know he has really good feet and control um around the, the tighter areas so um and Don Kincaid like I was watching his highlights back and 
I just love, you know, how he boxes out defenders and he just has really strong hands, clearly. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting, those two guys uh, having in the red zone, um, as well as for Diggs. And then you've got all of that. You've got Damon Harris, who's probably a, a better, uh, you know, um, red zone, you know, from a five-yard line outside. You know, he's that threat mm. that, that could um, punch it in from, you know, really... You know, he's almost like the Frank Gore, you know. He's clearly a lot better than what Frank Gore was when he was with us in 2019. But, you know, are you going to bet against him two yards out? Probably not. So, um, and then you've got Josh Allen just, you know, sitting there, you know, hanging around back and <laughs> exactly. doing what he wants. You know, he can easily roll out. And, you know, we've seen it so many times. Seven and a week, what, you it's know, a tantalising prospect, e- isn't it? Easily really touchdowns, is. isn't it? By that point, with all, all those weapons and the fact that you know you you still got that in your back pocket, you don't want to run. But in those situations where you know if you scheme up so well that you fool the defense, he's just going to have simple walk-ins at that point when you get that close. So um, yeah, no, it, it's exciting. I'm 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 quite happy with this tight end room. Even Quinn Morris, who I quite liked. Um, you know, I like him certainly more as a tight end three. Definitely, he was never a tight oh, end yeah. two. So no, no. I like yeah. the fact that we still got him and Reggie Gilliam. Uh, I don't know; he's still considered a fullback, isn't he? So he's not really for this conversation. But you know, we didn't really see Reggie Gilliam much last season. But I know that was um, injury related, right? He he yeah. got quite a serious injury. Yeah. Um, so we saw good things from him in what 2021, I think. So he, that was when he got his extension. So even him coming back in that run game will, will improve things. And obviously Kincaid, you know, he's not a great blocker, um, run or pass blocker, but you know, he, he tries and I, I he's a bigger he, body. He's okay out in space. Uh, I, I just don't like the it's idea. In line, of in line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think if he was out there, you know, out in front of James Cook, um, I think he's perfectly functional. Like you say, he's willing mm-hmm. and I think he's, he's, he's okay. Um, I think it's just the inline stuff. You don't want him going up against an absolute prime, um, you know, uh, pass rusher. <laughs> that's for sure. He no. tends to get, um, you know, he tends to struggle to, you know, with, with sort of the shiftier guys, that was my, my take. And obviously he's, he's not, you know, it's not the heaviest dude out there. So, but, um, but he's willing and, you know, willing is good because that means he'll work hard yeah. work on that. And I don't think that's really why we signed him. I mean, you don't go, you don't trade, trade your fourth round pick and, and take first and then go for somebody who you're just going to use yeah. in the same way as Dawson Knox. He's been, he's been no. taken because he's a pass catcher. And I think he's, he's going to be, that's where he's going to do his damage, you know, on the, on the underneath spaces. Mm. All right, so we move on to the offensive line. And I think, obviously, at tackle, we haven't changed. But in the interior, we certainly have. Should we talk through those changes? Yeah, so, as you said, you know, the tackles hasn't changed at all. You know, brought back David Questenberry and, uh, you know, still the same guys. Tommy Doyle will be back from his uh, serious injury he had. Well, I expect him to be back anyway. Um, I can't remember exactly when he got it, but it's very early on in the season. So he'll be back. But it's really in the interior, isn't it, that we alluded to earlier. Um you know, the guard spots are really uh, going to be probably the hottest training camp competition, I'd say, mm. outside of probably linebacker. Um, you know, the fact that they uh, drafted Osiris Torrance in the second round. Um, I, I, I've talked about it in our review that he was my uh, interior offensive lineman one in the class. I really enjoyed his film and I think he'll be a great kind of plug-and-play player from week what, one as well. What's your expectation? Are you expecting him to, to start week one? Oh. I'm not too sure about that, just because I know that McDermott and these guys are on the side of caution with mm. rookies. You saw it from Shakir last season, you know, he demonstrated he belonged, um, yet he didn't get a lot of, you know, snaps. He wasn't on the field much, so I'm not too sure. You know, he certainly got the personality and the, you know, demeanour to, you know, be that week one starter. Um but I just don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant just because of what we've seen with McDermott, you know, and the coaching staff uh, with other w- rookies as well. So I'd I hope think, so. Yeah, I think it's fair to say we're both expecting him to play a significant role and yeah. be, and be the starter at some point this this season. I um, think, yeah, I think if it doesn't happen week one, I could see maybe week four or five. Yeah. You know, I don't know what happens to necessarily make him become that guard, whether that's injury or, you know, Brian Bates or David Edwards or whoever wins that week one role um, outside of him, um, not playing very well. I'm not too sure what that would take for him or if it's just a case of Torrance playing better, you know. It'd be a scheme um, thing, you know, that, that yeah. kind of kind of line, line they want. Um, I mean, I think that Conor McGovern, I think, is a really solid yeah. 
addition. He's not the most athletic dude, but I think he's very solid in in, in pass protection, which we absolutely need. And hopefully uh, we see I see Dion Dawkins. He's, he's kind of, no, remind me, is Conor kind of McGovern more of a right guard or a left guard? Um, left guard. Left guard, yeah. So he's going to yeah. hopefully nail down that position against uh, next to Dion Dawkins, which has been a revolving yeah. uh, resol- revolving position for quite some years. And I think that that makes that that left side much more solid. And so it's Ryan Bates's job, right guard, that's probably up for up for grabs uh, with Osiris yeah. Torrance, uh, putting some pressure on him and on Eichbuck coming back. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm fully expecting Osiris Torrance to be the starter at some point this season. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily say also that Conor McGovern's a shoe-in for the left. I know that they, he was paid starter money, but they had to pay starter money if they were to get a, a decent guard in. You know, he, he was he was a mm. starter for the Cowboys. There's probably a decent market for him. But when you look at his contract, there is a get-out after year one. So, you know, I don't necessarily think he's a shoe-in uh, to be a long-term. He's not a shoe-in in my mind to be the left guard, despite, you know, what his numbers look like. I was just going to say, though, when... When you look at the, the, the interior guys that we brought in, so your Sirens, Torrance, your Conor McGovern's, David Edwards, you look at their measurables and something kind of clicked with me. I hadn't realised that they're all, I hadn't realised Conor McGovern was six foot five. I hadn't realised David Edwards was actually a tackle in Wisconsin and he's mm. six foot six. Um, and all of, not only the size, but it's also for um, arm length, you know, for a um, tackle, an offensive tackle, kind of a benchmark would be um, 34 inch arms. Yet um, Torrance and McGovern have 34 inch arms. So that suggests to me that they really want to control the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got these bigger guys, um, longer guys as well. They want to, you know, put their stamp on. And that's why I really do think that. Um, those measurables kind of signify to me that that kind of power uh, running game is going to be back. Um, you know, I didn't realize Conor McGovern was actually a center as well. So he's got that flexibility. If anything was to happen with Mitch Morse with his, you know, questionable injury history, you know, if he has another concussion, Conor McGovern could potentially be a center as well. So yeah. I just like how this all kind of marries up. I like the fact that, as you said, you know, Conor McGovern, if he is the, the left guard, we've got a, you know, probably the best left guard we've had uh, for a couple of seasons and he you know he'll he'll improve Dion Dawkins he'll improve Mitch Morse Mitch Morse has also had kind of a uh, revolving door of left guards mm-hmm. next to him so um yeah it's what I will just, say is um, that the Cowboys fans were disappointed yeah. to be losing uh, McGovern um he, he's yeah. well thought of in Dallas um mm-hmm. and I think the you know, Dallas are not, not a bad team themselves and I think that's uh you know, I can't say I've watched a ton of film with Common McGovern, but if if their opinion's anything to go by, I think he's uh, he's going to be quite a big upgrade at left guard. <laughs> so, yeah, so after the disaster we had there uh, last season. Yeah, I was shocked. Connor McGovern's arm, um, arms they're only half an inch smaller than Spencer Brown. He's six foot eight. You know, wow. he's just yeah, yeah. So they're really long for a guard. So um, control, I think they're just control. gonna yeah space controller i think they're going to embrace this uh, power run game and you know that's going to help the play action as well if they do that i think mm-hmm. if they're going to have success they're going to do it through the power run game and they're going to play action off that that's and josh allen's also looked really good in the you know play action before 2021 he played fantastically you know uh, yep. although it's a 2020 one of the seasons anyway he, he was he really improved in that area and then but season after he it, went backwards. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't I understand think that. It seemed to be more of a scheme thing. I feel like that was that was last season where we just seemed to be using it less. And mm. I don't know why that would be <laughs> simply. I mean, maybe it's just a question of um, you know, think, keeping things a bit more simple for uh for uh, for our new offensive coordinator. I don't know, but it's it seemed odd because you know Josh Allen is outstanding in the uh, in, in uh, you know in, in that sort of form. I mean he's what was that? play I'm, I'm now desperately trying to think there was a play that was unfortunately ruled ruled for a for a penalty where he was just so subtle with his with his handwork and it, it should have been a touchdown and now i'm desperately trying to remember whether it was even this this last season or not do you know which one i mean um no i'll have to dig it out i'll have to dig it out yeah uh, i just think he's he's really good at that and uh, we should be using it mm. more Mm. And then just um, in terms of our X factors, um, for mm. the other one for me, Spencer Brown. So we talked there about the off-season upgrades uh, on the interior of the offensive line. The only remaining worry on this O-line for me is the right tackle and offensive tackle depth, really. But mm-hmm. with Spencer Brown, I've talked about it a lot. He didn't play well at the end of last season. However, 
there are glimmers of hope there. He's physically gifted. You know, he has the highest um, relative athletic score you can get at 10. He's still incredibly raw, especially in pass pro. I think that if he added 10 pounds, because he's only like 310 pounds, and for a six foot eight guy, you know, that's not that massive, not that, you know, that big, you know. Mm. Uh, if he puts another £10 on and improved his pass protection technique, I feel like this can really take this line from probably an average unit to, you know, bordering top 10, I'd say, and considerably raise the ceiling of this offence. Like, I feel like, you know, it could go and just, he could really elevate. Like, we could have two bookend tackles if we had Dion Dawkins and Spencer Brown elevate his play. Um, you know, it's a huge year for him. It's his third year. If he doesn't play well this year, will he ever get a starting role for another team uh, based on his draft stock? If it's a first round pick, then he probably would. But with those, you know, day two, day three tackles that don't work out, they never really get like a true starting um, job again. And I feel like his confidence was knocked last season, definitely. Um, because in his rookie season, we saw some real good flashes, especially in the run game. He had a proper dickhead demeanour, which, you know, we have really <laughs> lacked since John Feliciano yeah. left. We, we mean that in you the know, best, remember, best kind of way, right? We mean it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> like on the field, you need that grit and attitude. And you remember, I can't remember who it was. I think it was a Patriots player. Like I remember him, you know, I'm six foot eight. You're, you're this small guy kind of, yeah. you know, just that confidence. He just didn't have that about him last season. You never really saw him take it to the opposition. So I'm hoping, you know, he gets his confidence back. He's able to add a little bit more weight and muscle in the off season. He improves that pass protection technique. And, you know, again, he's got as high a ceiling as, as you could want for a tackle. And again, if, if he improves that, you look across the whole line, and the improvements they made in this interior, you do look at this and think, you know, this could be a really good unit if it all comes mm. together, if is the big question. But I'm quite excited to see how it all plays out. Very good. All right. So let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Um, a few less changes, it's fair to say. So this should be a little quicker. Yeah. But let's start off with the defensive tackles. And obviously, everything's pretty much uh, we're winding it back uh, as we had before. So Dequan Jones, who was, I thought was one of the standout players uh, from last year, um, will be you know our starting one tech. And then we obviously have Ed Oliver, who's in the final year of his of his contract with the Bills, but something to prove if he wants to get paid as, as per his social media. Uh, but the, the big upgrade for me is the fact that Puna, Puna Ford is there behind yeah. those two, probably to take sort of the, the role of, of Tim Settle. Uh, Jordan Phillips is also back. But I think that as a four um, is much more encouraging. I was really disappointed with Tim Settle. Um, I had kind of high hopes for him. At, but yeah, I really thought that we, we suffered a lot when Daquan Jones was not on the on the field. And I think Puna Ford gives us that that option. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited by, by the improvements here. And I think it makes us a bit more solid against the run. Um, I think that's going to be a, a decent improvement. I'm not sure I see anybody else really making making an impact. Obviously, Jordan Phillips is back, as always with Jordan Phillips. It's a question of can you stay fit? <laughs> um, yeah. Because when he's fit and he's and he's with it, he's a really damaging player. You know, he can pin his ears back and, and really penetrate and get to the quarterback. But it, you know, him him actually demonstrating he can complete a full season fit is uh, is always a, a tricky one. That's probably why he's only getting these one-year contracts. Um, but I, I think this is a, a modest upgrade, but a, but a good one. I've always liked Puna Ford, and um, he's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for his, for his addition. Do you see anything else you want to say on the defensive tackle side of the of things? Um, so not in changes of personnel, but I have talked about it before, I think, when we signed him, that I can see with this defensive line, like obviously, if you look at it as a broader spectrum of this defence, you know, it's no no longer Leslie Fraser. Who knows if he'll come back in 2024? Mm-hmm. I'm not counting on it. I think that Sean McDermott is really going to, you know, get his teeth into this defence. Um, clearly, as yes, he's going to take on defensive coordinator duties anyway, but I feel like there's going to be some more, you know, th- this overall defence uh, is going to be multiple across across all levels and when you look at the D-line um, I feel like it's going to be more even than odd fronts um, well even fronts we were 4-3 anyway but odd fronts with three defensive linemen um, with Puna 4 that's kind of what it signifies to me I think they'll they'll use that sporadically in with the, the, the um, four-man front so and Puna 4 is a five-pick to, to, to clarify yeah, what, we're, what we're saying here is that we'd probably line up and maybe drop like a Greg Rousseau or a um, or a Von Miller uh, back into coverage, mm-hmm. um, and so you know it just it just makes it a little bit 
tougher for offenses to to know what they're facing right um yeah we, we've traditionally only ever played um four guys on the line uh, we haven't really played those up fronts um but it just gives us that option doesn't it um uh, having puna Ford come in yeah and I, I can i like the idea i can see gregory so pl- playing well as well as a stand-up like linebacker um you well, know seven attacking almost, from yeah. yeah yeah so and then you know for me von miller um you know who knows when he's going to be back um he says we. But won. there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, I know. I think I might be a bit optimistic, but you know, I, I'm, I've got no doubts that when he comes back, I think we will still see the same Von Miller that we all know and have known. So I've got no, um, you know, concerns there. Like I'm excited. One of my, um, you know, X Factor players on this defense would be Gregory Rousseau for me. Um, with Von Miller coming back, you know, he played four games less in 2022 than he did in his rookie season in 2021. Yet he doubled his sack production, and that's impressive considering he had six games without Von Miller. So, if we get Von Miller back firing. Uh, which it, that will equal less attention on Gregory So, which will equal hopefully more production for him. So my challenge for him would be: can he go from a high-end edge two player, which I think he currently is now, to an edge one in his own right? You know, can he be that? You know, I'm not expecting him to get to a Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett type of level, but could he be a borderline like low edge one if he was in another team? You know, I, I think he can get there based on his physical skills and traits. Um, you know, so I'm just really looking forward to getting Von Miller back and how that impacts the rest of his D-line. You know, that's going to really help Ed Oliver in a contract year, um, I think, and, and Gregory. So, you know, I think he's going to get quite a bit of attention, Von Miller, and that's going to help the other guys. But, the, um, I don't know, lesser known players in terms of a fan base. I know the teams will know these other players pretty well, but, you know, They've both got real good opportunities um, to be productive next season. So really looking forward to Gregory Rousseau. I think he's one of those, like James Cook, the recent draft selections that I'm the more optimistic on, you know, as being long-term. Yeah, Maybe not with James Cook because he's a running back and they're cold running back value. If you take that out of it, I think that Gregory Rousseau is like one of the higher players that I'm on in the recent draft class. And I think he's, I think he's already a hit, to be fair. I think they nailed that pick, especially at pick 30. You know, I think he he could definitely be a cornerstone. I think he's going to be someone that will, you know, be extended um, further. But, you know, it's all well good saying this after two seasons. We still need to see improvement. But I I really am confident he's going to get there. So... Are you that confident about Greg Russo as well? Yeah, I am. I think um, I'm very excited about Greg Russo. I think he's shown you know, year-on-year progression. And um, I think he's the kind of... I think he's the guy that suits the way the Bills like to defend or traditionally have. You know, he's, he seals at the edge, as we've spoken about. And I think he's got pass mm. upside as he gets to know his own body and learns more techniques. And I, I am... Just generally on, the, on this position group, though, I, I feel like this is a an area where at edge... It does. I'm I'm frustrated with it. You know, I think that we've 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 signed these these lower first round, upper second round guys and AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham and and that that's been disappointing. And obviously, we then decide to go all out, get Von Miller, and then we then we he gets injured. Um, yeah. It, here's a yeah. sort of an outside idea. Um, if, for example, the Bills didn't um, didn't get someone like DeAndre Hopkins. Is, is there another move in the Bills? Is this somewhere where we might see, let's give Yannick Ngokwe a one-year contract yeah, or something Yeah, there's a like few that. of them on there. Mark yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about you. Uh, it depends on the price point, obviously. It's hard to compare apples with oranges without knowing the, 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 the numbers. But I don't know. Let me put a hypothetical to you. Would you rather have, I don't know, DeAndre Hopkins sign a one-year 15 million dollar contract with the bills that's probably too low it's actually it's probably going to be like 18 million but mm. 15 18 million let's say or that realm. Yeah. I know, a frank clark a dunlos uh, carlos dunlap uh, yannick and got gray for like four or five million let's say what? yeah drusher every single time i think that they'd want yeah. more than more than that probably but um simply because i think Possibly, that the, yeah. the difference between the bills wide receiver room with adding d hop versus the Bills edge rusher group adding 
you know, Frank Clark or, a, or a, you know, Kinkokwe, I think that there's a bigger upside by taking the edge rusher. And actually, if you look at the stats of someone like Ngokwe, he's, he's been productive um, no matter where he's been at the Jags, at, the, at, um, at, uh, at uh, Las Vegas and at, uh, at the Colts. You know, he's typically a, a double digit sack guy. Um, mm-hmm. when, you know, and I think that he, he's a sort of guy, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what he's, I haven't looked at it over the cap in terms of what he would expect, but if I don't, they obviously couldn't do both, but if they didn't get a D hop, I, I think it'd be very interesting for them to bring in someone like that, especially because you've got two starting edge rushers and you can just play him, you know, when you really needed him and you'd be there for the, for the, for the postseason. If he's coming in as your third defensive end um, or you're playing him and Von Miller on those, um, you know, long third and longs, I just think that's uh, that, that changes the defense for for me. Um, mm. So, yeah. I don't know. How do you feel I about think- it? Yeah, and I think they have been. I think there's been rumours about Justin Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's been yeah. a very productive player, especially at the Chiefs back in the day. But uh, you know, he's very he's getting old, but he's still productive. I think he's still led the Ravens in sacks last year, of like eight or nine. So, you know, the fact that he's 34, 35, You know, we got Von Miller, who's that old. You know, as a third, you know, who can kind of be that short term Von Miller cover. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was to be placed in the pup for six games, exactly, and then. Yeah. When the Von Miller comes back and he becomes that, you know, the next guy up rotation well, piece after them. Yeah, no, I'm so, all for it. Definitely. So you raise a good point there. So there's a lot of people saying, yeah, but we want Ngokwe. We want Von Miller for the playoffs, for the run-in. That's when he's most... You're, still, you're going to make yeah. the playoffs. You know, yeah. this division has got a lot harder. <laughs> you know, yeah. Miami aren't going anywhere. And um, I think whether they're challenging or not is entirely down to, um, you know, whether how fit uh, Tour is. Um, for all the, the, you know, the 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 shade that we throw on Miami, that was a good team last year. When two was fit, you know, it was a very solid team. And then the Jets have got considerably better with a, you know, two-time former MVP uh, quarterback. Um, and by the way, they beat us, beat us last year without that guy. So, to me... And you I, can't just expect us to beat Patriots twice, no, you know. absolutely you not. Know, I mean, Bill Belichick's defense, you know, they're, they're like minimum eight, nine win team. They always are, so... I mean, the reality is Bill's probably going to his favorites in most of those games, but yeah. this, this is a tough, this is a really tough division now. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to need everybody all season. All hands and, on deck. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I don't think we can... I mean, we went through that schedule and we generally felt that, that first eight games was pretty favorable for the Bills. <laughs> you still go and do it. And yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this... this <laughs> Well, the way here, where I see it is we had Von Miller for the start of the last season and we looked fantastic on defense, but we've lost our middle linebacker. That's going to be a weaker position group. Um, we're going to be weaker without Von Miller. So I, I don't think on defense, everything, anything is, is all set. Mm. And, and the changes that we've made on the offense, I think are exciting, but they're going to take a little time to sort of bet in. So yeah, mm. this, this might not be the exciting bills on, on you know, week one that we, we might hope for it to be. Yeah. Um, I think another head, preferably at edge would be really would go a long way and just and just circling back to the you know the fact that the AFC East has become a stronger competition which it absolutely has you know we done we went through on that um schedule episode I said like I've done a playoff predictors and it even came down to the last game for me against the Dolphins mm. uh, in Miami and I had the Dolphins win that to win the division so you know it just really shows there that you know and, and the Jets were only a game behind so obviously that's all fictional that's just based on my opinion going through Let the game fine tooth and nail. It, yeah yeah, it's going to come right to the right. Why if I don't, you know, we're not going to, I don't think there's going to be a world that we're going to clinch for the division title in about, you know, two or three games before the end of the season. You know, I can't see that world existing. So, And by the way, the, the Chiefs are going to be good again. You know, the Bengals are going to be oh, good again. Yeah. And I, th- I'm, I think the Ravens people are sleeping on. I think that this AFC is going to be tough as hell. And um, I think as making mm. winning the division i think is going to be critical and i think it's not it's not a guarantee yeah um all right so we move on to, to linebacker um this has been the kind of the <laughs> i guess the the bane of most bills fans um off season really it's hard to know yeah. exactly what they have in mind but you have to think they've got a plan and my sort of working assumption at the moment is that they just needed, and we, we heard Brandon Bean speak a little bit earlier in the off season. They need to get, they want to get faster um, at linebacker yeah. and clearly for them solidifying the center of that um, defensive line with the likes of uh, Puna Ford helps mitigate the loss of, of Tremaine Edmonds. Um, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds was not necessarily the best guy for getting off blocks anyway, 
that's what yeah. worries me is 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 how well can we stand up in the run game and maybe this is where an AJ Klein yeah. has kind of got some some but we got these two guys in Terrell Bernard and, and Dorian Williams that seemingly are going to be competing for the middle line like a position alongside you know Pro Bowler Matt Milano in my opinion I think he's just an outstanding standing guy um, yeah but. I think they obviously want to get quicker. And I, I think, I, I wonder whether some of that is, is what we're up against in Miami. You know, going up against Tariq Hill and Jalen Waddle, um, uh, I think is 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 tough. Um, and I, I wonder whether they just want to be able to play a little bit, be a bit faster in coverage um, against yeah. that uh, that wide receiver group. Um, I know that, that's, my, that's my best guess. You've got to win your division first. And I think that this... This organization has shown that they care about that. Um, but yeah, this yeah. seems to be the way that the, the, the league is going, gets smaller, faster at linebacker. Um, but we've got to see how it, how it works in practice. I think we're all concerned having watched uh, Tremaine Edmonds for all these years. This is, yeah. a, big, this is a big shift. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think we're going to need all, all the strength we have in the secondary to, to, to cover us. But what's your take on this, uh, this, this, uh, this group? I was just going to quickly ask you. So I assume that your opinion of the Dorian Williams pick has changed since the fact that, you know, straight after the the, the draft, uh, being said outside linebacker, you know, he's going to be mm. an outside linebacker for us. But now he's obviously seemingly transitioning to a middle linebacker role. I imagine that will change your opinion on the pick itself and the fact that, you know, because when it was announced, I, did, I hadn't scouted the linebackers. I didn't know like where he'd lined up for Tulane so I assumed that when they drafted him he was a middle linebacker therefore I was happy about that pick because I had pretty good things about him um I did are you happy with that pick now like in well no I'm not I'm not, I'm not I'm not happy with it I think I've got to see it um I think what yeah. it tells me is that there's a you can read it a few different ways right you could see it as Brandon Bean sort of just trying to confuse the opposition in terms of how we're really going to use him you could see it as we've messed up at linebacker and this was the best guy they could find. Um, There were other options that would have been more traditional middle linebacker options, which they obviously passed on. So they clearly, I think what gives me a bit more comfort is they clearly have a plan. Now we haven't seen that plan and we don't know what that plan is. I'm, I'm much more comfortable with the idea of Dorian Williams playing middle linebacker. I mean, there are people out there that really like Dorian Williams. Um, yeah. I think it's just a big shift to go from someone like Tremaine Edmonds to someone like Dorian Williams. He's, you know, he's only he's only 21. He's much lighter. He's not as tall as, as Tremaine Edmonds. And mm. obviously the idea is we go quicker and we go smaller. Um, he's, a, he's a third round pick and that I'm expecting him to play. But then the question then is, well, what was the idea behind <laughs> Terrell Bernard still? That's still a mystery to us all, isn't it? So <laughs> somewhere yeah. in here, the Bills have, have either fucked it up or they've got an idea that we're not, necessarily party to now, is there a, is there a world where they go you know what we're gonna um go three big guys on the on the uh mm. defensive line and we're gonna play three quick tight ends uh sorry linebackers i don't know I, yeah I'm, I'm kind of yeah there will be a plan there will be a plan it's yeah. just not sure what it is <laughs> yeah so that's what i'm thinking as well so when i set up a start that you know i could see his overall defense being more multiple i wasn't just defensive line like I could see the linebacker group being a bit more multiple in the sense yeah. of not only the formations and stuff but just where their strengths are so you look at Matt Milano he's a Swiss army knife he's good at everything pretty much you know um Terrell Bernard when we drafted him his strength was blitzing so maybe we'll see him you know in some more third and long situations come on the field and then Dorian Williams you know, from what I'd heard at the start of the draft and watching some of his highlights yesterday, he kind of excelled in like the coverage. As you said, he's got that speed, the sideline to sideline. Doesn't necessarily have the size, but you know how he pursues. Like I've seen him in blitz situations as well. How his speed is evident. You know, you can really see that on the field, and he packs a punch. Like he's really hard hitting. Actually, he surprised me. Like there's some hits that he put in, which is really violent in college mm. so quite excited about prospect but the problem is like Tremaine Hedman's had in terms of you know getting through all that clutter you know get, can he get through the blocks can he um you know shed the blocks and kind of get to the running yeah path? that's the question um and that's what's going to be interesting uh, but I feel like because all of these guys in our division run Shanahan type run schemes it's wide zone you know maybe he's trying to bet on himself to beat the the blockers almost and kind of come around from the outside and, you know, handle it that way. I don't know, but um, yeah, I could just see, you know, a path where, you know, it's a lot more exotic and not only that, you know, 
transitioning quickly to the DB room, you know, Taylor Rapp, you know, he hasn't signed for no reason. He's signed with us because he's going to get snaps. You know, I think he'll be, you know, I think this defense will play more dime, which will mean he'll be um, kind of replacing the Saron Neal when he come on alongside Taron Johnson. Um, and he's going to be used as maybe that like lighter linebacker, you know, he's, he can come downhill and he can play in a box. So, well, I just think that they're going to use these guys in a variety of ways. And maybe with under Leslie Fraser, it was a little bit more vanilla. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, he was kind of used to, you know, Tremaine Edmonds being that, you know, middle linebacker. That's all he's going to do kind of guy, you know, not using multiple. But I, I just see a path that they are going to use these guys in a variety of ways. Let's look at it a different way. If the Bills had wanted to go and get a decent, solid, experienced free agent linebacker, they could have done. You know, there were yeah. people out there. They did have some interest. Levante David was rumored. Well, right. It? That's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's um, who's the guy at, uh, at Miami? Um, David Long, um, you know, yeah. he was a younger guy, didn't sign for a huge amount of money. He's a good run stuffer. Levante David, you mentioned. There was uh, Bobby mm-hmm. Wagner also. Yeah. You know, there were players out there if they wanted to experience. Um, and more traditional um, middle linebackers, I, I think that they were out there. So they've obviously got a plan, and that gives me some mm. comfort. Obviously, we've got McDermott running the the defense, and I'm quite excited about that. I think it's you know we. I don't remember watching an awful lot of, of of Eagles football when he was there, but you know from what I read, he was an aggressive. You know, we would play more man coverage. Um, there will be more uh, you know, blitzing. I, I think that we, that's what we should expect, um, and. Perhaps when you add all these pieces together, this is what this is the direction of travel we're we're going in. Yeah. All right. So yeah. um, secondary, not huge changes. Really, the only one of note is the addition of of um, Taylor Rapp. Um, what a player that sorry Taylor Rapp even uh, a player that was mooted to be the kind of the Jordan Poyer uh, replacement if Jordan Poyer had um, had not signed another contract. Obviously, we're we're excited to see Micah High back from his injury. Uh, Kyrie Elam with a, with another year on his belt should be fully yeah. fully fit. Travavius White. Um, so we've got that White Poyer Micah High Kyrie Elam um, combination with Tyler Rapp. Um, sorry, Taylor Rapp. Why do I keep calling Tyler Rapp? Taylor Rapp and uh, <laughs> Demar Hamlin making himself available to play. Dane Jackson, yeah. Taron Johnson, obviously our starting slot. Uh, oh, and then we've got Christian Benford as well. Oh, just throwing a mix. Dean Marlowe's back in back as well. Saran yeah. Neal's still there. Cam Lewis is is still there. So this feels like a really solid secondary. Um, the question to my mind is: Do we see Taylor Rapp playing? Um, do, we, do we see ourselves playing some some three safety sets, some cover three, or um, is is he somebody who's going to be used? I, I, I can see there's again there's there's some movable pieces here, and um, that's quite exciting. But um, nothing major to chat about. Any any comments on this on this group? Yeah, not particularly. I said about Taylor Rapp, but I think that he'll be used a little bit more multiple, possibly as a dimebacker. Yeah. But my biggest like win just with this group is just Mike Hyde, hopefully returning fully fit. You know, mm. our defensive back coverage just was never the same without Michael last season. I know you're really high on him. And of course I was, you know, just the amount of plays he'd make like that Patriots uh, interception, you know, how can you forget that? But like, you kind of, what's the expression? Um, you, you don't realize, you know, you got something good until it's gone. It kind yeah, of felt like yeah, that with Michael yeah. Hyde a little bit last yeah. The fact that he was the glue, um, he's, he's not just his fit. physical abilities. He's, he's so smart, you know. He, yeah, he was he was a guy who would tell people if they're lining up wrong. You know, he's a very very bright footballer, uh, yeah. very experienced footballer, and um, oh, I love the guy. I think he's he's outstanding. Yeah. It'll be a sad day when he uh, he unfortunately retires. But um, um, yeah, I mean, I think there is this concern that the Poyer and Hyde are not getting any younger, and maybe Taylor Rapp mm-hmm. is is a bit of, of a hedge against that. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's, it, it's how do you go ahead. yeah. No, I was just going to ask, like, I know I mentioned it a couple of episodes ago, I feel like, but like with Tredavious White, like where are you at with him? Like how confident are you that we'll get to see, you know, the Tredavious White we all love, you know, and, you know, one of the best cornerbacks in, in the NFL uh, in his peak. Like, How confident are you that he's going to get back to that peak? Yeah, like, you know, I'm sure he's 70, 30, and... something like that. You know, I feel 
pretty optimistic about it. If you hear the buzz, you know, around the Bills, that they see him as being fit and confident and, and being able to have that confidence in his body again, which I think is important yeah. for, for Tredavious White. You know, he's obviously a very expensive uh, player in terms of his, his cap hit um, for the Bills. We need him to be the guy that we've we've had for all those years. It's also... If he can, you know, he's one of those guys that he could go up against a, a wide receiver one and be confident in, and uh, he's that yeah. sort of traditional shutdown corner. If we're playing more man coverage, Jadavius White and Kyrie Liam are going to have, you know, they, they are key to that. And um, yeah, I think these are two, what, first round picks. So we expect, and, and we've got two Pro Bowl safeties um, uh, in, in Poyer and Hyde. So this should be a, a team strength. Uh, and this this hopefully yeah. is what's going to be covering up any weaknesses that we have at linebacker. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see how they, how they play. Um, but they're, they're going to be up against it this this year. I mean, that we got some, we got some pretty, uh, pretty tough uh, opponents in terms of their wide receiver talent. If you think about the, the Dolphins, if you think about um, yeah. the Bengals, um, I think there's going to be some, some games where they're going to be you know, put to the... You put under a lot of pressure, and I think it's gonna be a lot yeah. on McDermott to see him getting the most out of this uh, this combination of players. Mm. And that's why I feel like this D line's even more important. Like when you look at this defense as a whole, like clearly the defensive back unit has been really strong, and it feels like they're not necessarily, um, you know, they're still investing resources in linebacker, but they're definitely prioritizing to get pressure front end and being secure and, you know, um, you know, locked down in the back end. And then in terms of the linebacker, they're just kind of, you know, uh, not, not, you know, plugging gaps or anything, but they're just kind of okay with using these types of guys. Like if they wanted Levante David, I think he resigned for the Bucks for 7 million. And I know he kind of wanted to resign that, rejoin there anyway but you know they weren't prepared to pay Tremaine it there's just a few indicators to me to suggest that they're quite comfortable you know with how they've had this linebacker room Mm. so I feel like the distribution with you know investing the picks and the money in the defensive line and also doing the same you know they've invested picks more up front you know Teron Johnson and Trey Davies while have been quite early picks and the money as well Mike Hyde Jordan Poyer getting paid both getting paid by you know, it feels like they put all their like defensive resources front end back end and now they're quite happy to you know I know Matt Milano's got paid but you know he's that Swiss army knife as I said so he kind of mm. does so many things for the defense I think it's kind of kind of happy with the guys that they've got um, and they've been very intentional with that. And, you know, maybe a few of these teams will be doing that moving forward. You know, you look at the Eagles and they kind of you know have the same philosophy. You know, they're the ones that, you know, kind of neglect the linebacker position. So, yeah. Very good. So I think we've, we've been through, well, all those major changes that we're expecting, really. Uh, offense and defense, special teams as we're winding it back, which is which is nice to see, a bit of solidity there. Um, so, yeah, this is an interesting conversation, the kind of conversation we can only have during the offseason. So, um, yeah, we fantastic to see and get into training camp and see how these things play out. Uh, we will be back with you, um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks with uh, with more Bill's, uh, Bill's chat. So uh, bear with us. Thank you for, for joining us as always. Um, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Bills from Afar on Twitter. Um, yeah, until next time, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.